0: Caught up in time for the new season so i'm not watching it but i have watched it and i would like to watch it but i'm like it's 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 all fucked up right now <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right let's get into it this so this is season five episode five of the art fight podcast welcome brian welcome joe thank you welcome brian um and yeah we were just uh yeah i've never watched game of thrones i don't plan on watching game of thrones uh, I actually just put two and two together recently to figure out it's actually a game. Like the, the, the <laughs> I didn't even understand that. I just the, the words of just Game of Thrones just mm-hmm. would just be uttered, and I didn't assign any meaning to what that actually might be. Mm-hmm. And so now I understand it's, it's a battle actually. for power. See, well, isn't that just the universal theme? it is it really truly is it is (laughs) so well honestly like what i've gathered is it's just basically like a a, a sort of an excuse to show sort of fantastical nudity yes okay (laughs) (laughs) so and that that makes it worthwhile fantastical violence okay well you know uh what does it say about our culture joe says it's fantastic
2: (laughs) it's very well produced uh
1: but anyway so yeah brian what's up thank you for coming and uh being here with us today
2: thanks for having me
1: yeah man um so yeah what's going on what's new in your world
2: it's a busy time so we're installing a show this week that opens saturday and this is the third of our uh three shows that we're doing uh of our annual programming around the state so we had a mm. show in chattanooga last october we just had one in memphis in february and march and so this is uh, the last one in our programming year in may and june so we're mm. back in our town and zeitgeist gallery mm. is our partner and so it's been a really fun couple of days just watching the work start to live together in the space oh mm. yeah
0: it's so a tell. It's it's a two person show. Yes. That um will be it'll by the time this show by the time this show airs it will it will have opened at Zeitgeist. It'll be up for two months. Is that right?
2: Yeah, through the end of June.
0: Yeah, and so it's a uh, Richard Feaster, and then how do I say the other artist? Zipporah Thompson. Zipporah Thompson. Okay. Um, and Richard Feaster, of course, is a local uh, abstract painter in Nashville. Um, of course, there's more to be said than than that. But why don't you tell us more about Zipporah's work?
2: Well, her work is definitely mixed media. So she Mm. has a background in fibers and works uh, also with ceramics and kind of blends that all together into wall-based and floor-based sculpture. And Mm. that's uh, a lot of what you'll see in the show, just smart material combinations. Um, You know, there's narrative context behind why she's making these choices, but I think like anything there's mm-hmm. that visual hook that mm-hmm. draws you over to investigate and kind of figure out what's all going on mm-hmm. and the, so is this a show that that is like curated by locate arts so this season has been collaborative so okay. this is a partnership with zeitgeist okay to do this Just particular show partnered
0: on everything on what who the artist would be all that stuff
2: yeah totally mm-hmm. a conversation that started about a year ago mm-hmm. that we've been in conversation and Support came up mm-hmm. and had a gallery site visit last summer, so it's been kind of a long brewing conversation. Mm-hmm. And is, is Seed Space like connected to that? This whole process. So Seed Space is our annual programming. Okay. So all it's, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is
0: the 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 Seed Space used to be uh, a separate gallery entity in Nashville. You guys became partners a few years back, so now that's like the curatorial arm of your your enterprise. Is that right? I, I would say it like this. Okay, that yeah, you guys. You tell me. <laughs> okay, fix it. <laughs> we started Locate Arts
2: yeah. because we identified two things that would help grow the scene across the state, which is the mm-hmm. web resource and the forthcoming mm-hmm. triennial. Mm-hmm. We didn't plan for this to happen when we came to Nashville um, summer of 16, but Adrian Outlaw, who had moved to St. Louis a couple of years prior, came to us and Ask if we'd be interested in merging mm-hmm. nonprofits and and running the program. So we were honored to be invited to do that and mm-hmm. to kind of partner in in that way with the legacy of shows and speakers that mm-hmm. she had brought in her time. And so this is a continuation of that, but also it's flexible because mm-hmm. the question that she asked from the very beginning is is one that we've asked, which is, what's missing? You know, what's what's needed so i think that at a certain point after running those annual programs we with our statewide mandate thought you know there's there's a conversation to share Mm -hmm. with other cities and yeah cool and we'd been building those networks already Mm -hmm. so this programming year was just sort of a moment for it to expand and kind of become untethered from one particular space Mm -hmm. with the same routine which was which is really rewarding to be a part of, which is uh two month solo shows six mm-hmm. shows a year, so this is just different, but it's it's definitely a mm-hmm. springboard off of that mm-hmm. so uh seed space is our annual programs and speakers and uh and so we're continuing, you yeah. Know, in whatever
0: form may seem the the most efficient at any time or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's very well said. This is why you've been so successful, you and your wife Carrie, with Locate Arts, and then teaming up with Seed Space. Um, I feel like you've always been very good about taking on like this big picture things, um, and somehow, uh, like to me, a lot of times the big picture stuff, it's it's mushy. It's hard to. It's hard to get get your get get a grip on it, really. You know, for people who aren't uh, like stepping back to look at that big picture, you're in somewhere in that picture, and then someone else is saying, "Look, there's this whole context," and you're like, "I don't. What are you talking about?" But I feel like you've been always you've always been very good at articulating it, and I think that that's part of the reason why you guys have gotten to the point where um, you know you are. you've got some big things coming and we're going to talk about as much of that as we can here Um, but uh, right now, it's important. Right now, it's actually uh, the big, what do we call it? The big give back? What, what's the word? Oh, today in particular yeah, is the yeah. big payback. Yeah. So we're so we're recording this uh, on May second. 2nd? Yeah, yesterday yeah. yeah, was May 1st. May 2nd. For, and it's the big payback day. And you guys have a membership drive happening right now. So let's just go ahead and dive into that and, and talk about that because I don't want to, you know, let you go until we say something about that.
2: Sure, I mean today, and and really any day is an invitation to to partner and support the work that we're trying to do to spotlight the contemporary visual mm. art scene of Nashville and the all of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And um, there's this moment coming up on May 18th, where we're going to have a big announcement party uh, for details about our Tennessee triennial. Mm. Is that that party is going to be at the Zeitgeist Show? Is that right? It will be at Zeitgeist uh-huh. Gallery mm-hmm. on uh saturday may 18th okay cool and so if a person were to go to that party they would just need to sign up for a five dollar monthly donation or a 60 dollar annual donation Uh and then they could join in and be a part of that moment in time and that's very reasonable well (laughs) i mean it's it's for people you know Mm -hmm. that's that's kind of the you know the whole ethic Mm mm-hmm man,
1: we got the house cleaning just done. That's really good. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's just better to,
0: to clean before you go on vacation. <laughs> you come home, everything's nice. Yeah, but, that's great. But I feel like, um, how much can you, so you're gonna have some big announcements. Can you say anything about what the announcements are going to be about?
2: We will announce the Tennessee Triennial Director
0: okay. and our two curators mm-hmm. for the exhibition. F- which will be for the first annual ever uh, in the history of the state triennial uh, exhibition.
2: Right. This is yeah. the Tennessee Triennial for yeah. Contemporary Art. It's going to take, I can tell Very you. Very big deal. <laughs> well, it's it's a celebration, really. Uh-huh. It's it's a way of, of spotlighting Tennessee as a place where important mm-hmm. work is seen and also made. So it's a long time coming, we think. And we think it's going to be important for a lot of reasons. I mean, not the least of which it'll come in spring of 21 following a big presidential election. Mm-hmm. So whatever the result of that election, this will be a, an opportunity to process that through an experience with visual art.
1: hmm Yeah, uh, interesting. Is, we need as many mechanisms in place as possible. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> because for <that's>, whatever, whatever <laughs> may happen. We well, gotta, I think we all know yeah. what's gonna happen.
1: Uh, it's, I mean, you know, uh, it's all, I guess if, if, the, if the economy is perceived as good, then, It's it's, then change tends not to come historically, but uh, I don't know.
0: Times are very crazy, though. I have no, (laughs) I have no, uh, no. What am I? No. Uh, what am I? Looking, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I I would not care to predict anything. <laughs> I'm you, right there with you. You can't predict these also, things. Also, Tulsi 2020. Let me just leave that for you. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I think that you know we should just uh, be happy if there's a lot of candidates that have weird names. Yeah, there are. You know. <laughs> that just makes it more fun uh but anyway uh well that's lots super. of candidates for so sure. really like the what you're doing too is really you're setting up a sort of an infrastructure that sounds like it will have almost like a generational sort of i mean this this could be you're, you're putting footing in for you know something that's really uh you know long lasting and and persistent
2: yeah i think carrie and i from the very beginning knew that this was work that we really just wanted to get the mechanism started so that it would be sustainable over the long run. And mm-hmm. in fact, Joe, I don't remember if you were at the initial Q&A that we did at Zeitgeist back in yeah, March yeah, of yeah. fifteen. I believe like, I was.
0: I think, cause I think that was the one of the first times that I was sort of like beginning to like get it because I had heard so much about it. And I was very, I swear to God, I really did not understand what y'all were doing. I knew, like, you're going to build a website. But I'm like, are they going to build a website? I don't understand. Like, how does this work? You know right. what I mean? And I think that was the first time that I actually saw you guys and you talked about it. And then I was like, oh, okay. And I was yeah. that's why I first started to
2: get it. Sure. And, <laughs> and six years till the triennial sounds like a long time, but it mm-hmm. is it's a big undertaking anyone
0: who's tried to put on any exhibition of any kind knows what you mean
2: (laughs) i think part of the rewarding um one of the rewarding parts of doing this is research and and just watching the art scene grow Mm -hmm. particularly the non-coastal kind of middle america art scene and Mm -hmm. and we feel like we're participating in these other Big events. uh, Prospect New Orleans, Open Spaces Kansas City, Mm -hmm. uh, Front International in Cleveland, programming that happens uh, at major museums that are in middle America and we're excited that this will be part of that conversation Mm -hmm. and and it will be in fact nested between Prospect 5 and Mm -hmm. the second Front International in sort of a sequence. so tell tell us about that. Are they, they'll be doing like events at the same time? Is that what you're saying? They'll actually be spaced really sequentially. So oh, prospect okay. uh, five, yeah. I believe, is happening in fall of twenty. Tell and us. Can you tell us a little bit about each of these things? Because
0: not all of our listeners are necessarily art people. That's <laughs> so, sure. So it helps to. That's part of why I want to get some of this background in place too, just so the people who don't know about locate or people who aren't here in Nashville are, you know, they're getting a little bit more of your story.
2: Right. And you know, we're trying to do something that that we don't believe has been done here, but mm-hmm. it, it isn't new in, in the sense that other art scenes, cities, states are having, or whatever. These, states yeah. are having these kind of focal point events mm-hmm. that draw attention to the activity down there, mm-hmm. uh, draw tourists down and just have mm-hmm. have a celebration of art yeah. that kind of claims a piece of the pie, mm-hmm. which is more possible than ever with kind of the decentralization of the art scene mm-hmm. uh, through the internet and social media. Uh-huh. so we're part of of that wave right like the first wave of like non-coastal mm-hmm. decentralization so and you're f- you're from houston is that right where are you from i grew up in memphis i was memphis. born in houston born in houston okay, okay. Uh, yeah
1: i love i love houston and i love
0: memphis
2: yeah uh,
0: good po- 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 good spots for sure um mm-hmm. uh, but, and, but uh, and you and carrie were in knoxville when you came to nashville and got all this going
2: we were in. We started locate arts in Knoxville. <laughs> oh, okay. You
0: started it there, and then brought. And then you guys moved to Nashville after that. Because yeah. it's
2: a statewide yeah. thing. Yeah. And it's kind of
0: cool that you've actually sort of lived all over the state as well. Because people might not know, but you now this is something. Let me say this really quick, just because it's an interesting detail that I want to get in here. But like, you know, Tennessee is like three distinct regions: of the West, the the Middle, and the East. Tennessee regions and we have like three stars on our flag and I think it's cool that we're doing a triennial because I think that's very Tennessee exactly you know a biennial biennial is obviously harder because they're faster you know two years is not very long but I like the triennial for Tennessee I think that's very very perfectly placed
2: yeah (laughs) it does make sense and we've definitely logged time across the state Mm -hmm. growing up in Memphis for me Carrie grew up here in Nashville Mm -hmm. Um, and I spent 12 years carry 11 years in Knoxville mm-hmm. and so we've we've got that covered at least in yeah but back to the yeah. sort of other things happening like prospect was started in 2007 following Katrina so mm-hmm. it was like uh, this moment for the city where there are these opportunities to sort of mm-hmm. re-identify and um, you know call attention to what uh, treasures were there and mm-hmm. and the art scene that that existed mm-hmm. and just to amplify that through the experience of people coming for that mm-hmm. big kind of right. citywide event. And it's still very much that way. There's lots of venues spread out mm-hmm. across the city for many months. That's cool. And so, we kind of look at it as our elder sibling, mm-hmm. sort of having, you know, all those years of, you know, exploration of precedent um, for us to, to talk with them about. And, mm-hmm. and, and then there's the newer endeavors that... Kansas City and in Cleveland and so mm-hmm. you know those just happened last year for the first time so mm-hmm. we're still what are those events called open spaces in, in Kansas City mm-hmm. and so that's a biennial mm-hmm. um, and they have more of a music component than we will but, interesting uh, and Front International is a visual art mm-hmm. triennial that mm-hmm. um, was across spread across the city over a number of months as cool. well so we we feel like what we're doing that's truly experimental is spreading it out over the state yeah and having venues in the four big cities of tennessee and inviting people to go on a treasure hunt to find uh-huh. all the work in all the venues so that yeah that's really we, cool we don't think that's been done but do you feel like
1: that that's a risk in any way
2: i think it's or is it something you've had to
1: kind of address in some way like okay that is uh, maybe a more uh, there's a spread there to sort of you know, how do you uh, either give unique identity to each or make it successive in some way, or what do you really expect of the audience and where are they coming from and how much will they in sort of investigate? Have you thought about that a lot, I guess?
2: <laughs> we, well, we, we have. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. been quite a lot of meetings and ways that we address that. Sure. I mean, I would see it firstly as an invitation. Mm-hmm. I think the the show itself will be complete in some way in each city. So Mm -hmm. whatever you engage in terms of the venues in your city, that'll feel like a full experience, but there's just a way for it to grow Mm -hmm. and for you to feel like, um, or maybe it's the reason you yeah. need to go down the highway and see yeah. what's going on. In as the someone camp. in middle
0: Tennessee, I'm grateful for this arrangement because it basically means like we'll have something here and then we can also get to all the other ones faster than anyone.
2: Right. <laughs> you know what right. I
0: mean? I mean, like you can do I mean, you can do either. You can do any of those as a day trip. You know what I mean?
2: And you have February through May. Yeah. So it's a pretty good spread. Of time. Yeah, that's great. It's
0: really awesome
1: so have you been looking at like uh new orleans and some of these other spots uh, that are sort of uh, you know ahead have you sort of analyzed those to figure out from your experience or others like where maybe things have hit and where things have missed or what the you know how can we not make some of the same mistakes or what are some of those challenges or things you've been able to identify or little minds that you're trying to maybe perhaps avoid
2: i think that there's just a lot there i think the good thing about prospect is it's happened four times so mm-hmm. it's like four attempts at a similar goal and they're all uniquely different uh with unique successes and unique things unique takeaways mm-hmm. um i think we're also just thinking about the precedent of uh, a state scene like texas we spent four years in texas mm-hmm. and then before we went when i was finishing undergrad at UT, <coughs> uh we were told that it functioned that way as a state scene which in knoxville in 2004 we didn't feel that kind of regional dialogue Mm -hmm. um so that seemed novel like we kind of have to see it to believe it and we got down there and really there are things in place both interest from artists collectors and the general public and also kind of a combination of organizational initiatives Mm -hmm. that just made it feel rich in that way and like there's always an invitation to go from san antonio to houston we were in san antonio san antonio to austin and see what art was there and there's a a web resource that we we used glasstire.com which is a a great website that they do critical writing and Mm -hmm. and but they also have this sort of like wayfinder where you can figure out what exhibitions and events are across the state so we use that heavily in our time down there but it, it was very educational just to see sort of the way the community functioned and and how people really loved where they lived mm-hmm. but didn't feel like that prohibited them to, to, from talking about a wider yeah you know like art experience across the state
1: yeah that's cool yeah so are, are you um uh, so I'm really I, there's just so much okay so in terms of, you also you have your own work right you have your own own things you're doing so it's it, kind of like how you started out Joe by talking about sort of the the big picture mm-hmm. kind of thinking and and that is such a weird sort of uh, gift and kind of to be able to sort like an apparition of an idea mm-hmm. and then bring it down to actual sort of operational. Uh, Existence, like this is happening, and there's a plan, and there's resources, and there's a sequence we've identified, and we're going to run the plan or whatever. But like, so how do you reconcile that um, with also making your own work?
2: I think my own practice has definitely grown just exponentially by knowing more about the way that other artists work, mm-hmm. and by just having the benefit of being in more conversations, um, all kinds of conversations about. You know, web rep- representations of people's work, you know, research, social media, um, actually installing shows, mm-hmm. talking to visiting speakers about their experience in the art world. All of it, you know, for me is is really great. You know, it's it's enriching. So, when I make work, I kind of, my work changes because I've been changed by all mm-hmm. of that engagement. And so, right. I make a little less <coughs> than I used to, sure. but in some way I feel like, all of the the vision and the nonprofit work is somehow an extension of my studio practice. Sure. So that basically,
1: it's like exactly like how it was for Perry Farrell when he was running Lollapalooza.
0: <laughs> this is your Lollapalooza. <laughs> this is your Lollapalooza. <laughs> Maybe so. okay. I, I do have
1: my own band. Perhaps we're not putting out as records at the clip we were prior to this. Yeah. But I have this larger baby now. That Yeah, I have there's this, this bigger cu- little cultural experiment. So you're, 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 the, you're the Perry Farrell of, of Tennessee art. <laughs>
0: you're the Perry Farrell of Tennessee art. Yeah, I like it. Did you yes. ever
1: go to Lollapalooza?
0: No. No? I that, just that name is so, like, 90s. Well, it's, it's,
1: it, became these <laughs> weird, it became these weird f- sort of uh, echoes of some other brand. Like, I think they
0: still do it in just Chicago, or I don't know. I think you know, you're right. No, I think you're right.
1: Like, I remember going to see, like, yeah, Ministry and... I don't know, what kind of crazy stuff.
0: They had all the sideshow stuff going on, too.
1: Yeah, it was a really novel thing at the time. Yeah, get a, get a piercing and a smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that there isn't a shop called that on the east side yeah. somewhere. <laughs> S- <laughs> smoothie piercing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right, the only place where you can use the actual be beverage yeah. to numb you for the piercing. I was going to just say, I say somebody like <laughs> pierces your lip and then just gives you a cold smoothie. Right. Just take down the swelling and yeah, enjoy
1: we... some fruit-based uh, beverages. Rest your smoothie on your belly button <laughs> for, for five minutes. And then We're going to play Nothing want. Shocking. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, that's a badass album, even still. So what did yeah, what, you up listening to? Yeah. <laughs> All kinds of stuff. But what was the thing where you were like, I'm going to that concert, Mom. I don't care whether I'm grounded or not.
2: I, I didn't have this kind of parents. <laughs> <laughs> my, my parents were happy for me okay, to go maybe to rock I'm, shows. Okay, I'm, maybe I'm
0: projecting a little bit. What's the What was the first concert you went to? Mm. Like legit concert?
2: I guess it was uh, a twin bill of the Cranberries and Bush. Oh, okay. 1993. Wow. So, so not exactly subversive,
1: but... When you go to your first show, it doesn't great, matter what it is, it's a spectacle. You're just like, whoa, this is what's really going on. Yeah, it was memorable. It's loud.
2: This is so loud. Yeah. My father went with me. Oh, nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a nice, that's a nice dad. <laughs>
2: well, yeah, he, he, he grew up rocking harder than me. Yeah. So.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. so it's already been sort of like that's been satiated out of your gene pool to some extent.
2: He partied for enough for, for, <laughs> for, me for both too, of us. So, yeah. You're like,
1: by the way, you guys may not know this, but my dad <coughs> was in Leonard Skinner. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was yeah. like, literally at a at a coffee shop this morning that has a uh, coffee roast made by one of the members of Leonard Skinner. Really? And I guess he must live here because it's very like locally like like just sort of like pieced together like somebody made it here in nashville what is this weird thing
1: where celebrities have to come up with a beverage or some thing yeah minor major doesn't matter who you are they all have to come up with a beverage is there a triennial uh beverage uh
0: or do you have a cocktail at least yeah we
2: haven't got that far yeah it's an interesting Mm -hmm. question
0: there's going to be some kind of a brunch event and you're going to need a cocktail yeah so, Are there
1: going to be sort of any um, performative art happenings or subversive activities to bring you know, awareness it's gonna, it's to It's going to be
0: a Davy Crocktail.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can have that. You can use that. We try to get all of that. We use this forum,
1: this podcast. To, it's, just like a, it it's just like a trash just compactor of bad ideas. Just give away yeah. the magic. We just right. give it away here on the podcast. <laughs> right. Davy Crocktail.
0: Right. <laughs> oh my gosh right.
1: oh my gosh it's terrible. <laughs> well i mean so like do you how, how how does the marketing or i hate that sort of you know but how does the marketing work for this like how what what do you have to have in place to sort of get the message out to is it being you know commodified in some way or like how does how does that how does that work for for such an affair
2: well, I'm not the triennial director, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, but we are working with a branding company, okay, and so yeah, so just like anything else, right? getting other voices yeah. to speak into the process and not right, not trying to reinvent the wheel any more than we have yeah. to. It's
0: interesting, like because I feel like I feel like one of the things that you would think of, like you know, obviously you think statewide, there's going to be a place for a certain amount of news reporting about this, radio and TV news reporting kind of stuff. Obviously, there's you know web, you know, uh, you know uh messaging that can happen but it it really when you're in your position it really makes you start to have to think about like who covers the arts you know what i mean and it feels like there's a somewhat of a you know a lack of it (laughs) you know what i mean are you saying that like there's a (laughs) are you saying that there's a vacuum between traditional media and say art critique or art writing I just feel like yeah like fine art doesn't get covered in the mainstream so much you know what I mean and and then on the outskirts there's only I mean it feels like for every publication we have it also feels like we're often losing publications just like print is losing itself in general you know, you know smaller markets for print I think and or just content and reading stuff about things it feels like it's always very vulnerable is what I'm saying
2: right i think think we always need arts writers Uh and i think you know it's gonna always be in relation to demand Mm -hmm. in some way so i guess why are you so reasonable brian
1: sorry i was waiting for you to build all the level-headed
0: and reasonable every time you talk i'm just like yeah you know he's right it's not that complicated
1: (laughs) any any listeners that aren't aware of this joe is an art writer
0: brian how could this possibly work i thought you were gonna build this up to be
1: like you know what you know yeah. what
0: you just like if i
1: joe nolan sam oh you this just gonna be a that was turning into a yeah, like i thought you're gonna build it up to be this thing
0: whereas like so i yeah, maybe i'm not sad enough can, i can fill this void i can fill this void no but i can't i can't i can't do it all by myself
2: well, <laughs> it's also multi-dimensional like if i envision press mm-hmm. coverage of the triennial, i think it has to be local tennessee based and national mm-hmm. maybe global true yeah, but I think having all those voices speaking in give it kind mm-hmm. of the full spectrum of mm-hmm. authentic reactions.
0: Right. Yeah, and obviously too, a big part of the whole, you know, the whole purpose of Locate is to present the state of Tennessee to the rest of the country and or the world, and and basically to just so we can all sort of like combine our our efforts together. To to make a bigger uh, bonfire for people to see and to realize that there's there's a visual arts identity to this state as a whole and it's a destination for that as a whole yeah um, that people might not think of when all they think of is like the Great Smoky Mountains right. you know park and music in Nashville and music in Memphis right you know what I mean
2: I would say that's one of the outer rings of the concentric circle the you know of you know, our desire to promote work and and share about it and make Mm -hmm. it accessible. But I also think there's a lot for our programs and our resource to be a landing page for Tennesseans who are interested in art or are Mm -hmm. artists to kind of see themselves. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just lots of little instances of that. Like, there've always been these pop-up spaces, alternative spaces. Mm -hmm. But I have been concerned, like before we started the site, that they didn't know... Who their counterparts were across the state and have that sense of context that they're Mm. part of a a network of sort of incubator spaces Mm. that are really necessary in like the whole ecosystem of art venues in the state Mm -hmm. so i mean i would say that's a quarter of of types of venues i mean we always need more Mm -hmm. so it's like alternative spaces college museum spaces commercial galleries and museums and they Mm -hmm. all kind of feed both directions on the wheel Uh uh-huh
0: i keep pitching a story man i've pitched this story to like two or three publications so far and i just haven't been able to get anybody to bite on it and maybe it's not fascinating maybe you can help me understand why i think it's fascinating uh i talked to joe christie about this recently because he's in one of the spaces but i feel like there's been an interesting resurgence of like alternative spaces in terms of like home spaces like for instance um there's an artist named Jody Hayes on in East Nashville who has a, a gallery out of her garage. Yes. Um uh David uh Anderson who's another painter in the city. He used to have a gallery in his basement and <laughs> now he has a gallery uh in his like a uh, utility shed in his backyard. Yes um and then joe christie recently showed at a woman's house in in donaldson and it was called bang bang gallery okay and she just has like she just puts art up in her house like in her living room they evidently put all this stuff up in her hallway and stuff and then she just has uh essentially has uh a reception and that's pretty much it and then you know the show may stay up for a little while or maybe not maybe it comes right down it's beautiful but yeah, it's really interesting. And I just think that there's like a whole interesting story to tell. And Joe is specifically telling me from his perspective, like all these things, like that there's people, like her neighbors, like just come to that place. And like there's a big crowd at her house for these art openings. But these aren't people who would go, these aren't people who are going to go down and visit zeitgeist on a saturday afternoon or you know make sure they see wedgwood houston at the first of the month the first saturday of the month
1: i think there's several reasons for that yeah i mean the number one thing is like the gallery system is bloated and slow mm. generally mm. right we live in a really iterative quick responsive kind of society now mm-hmm. and i feel like that the, the the institutions generally are a bit monolithic and mm-hmm. <laughs> not to like throw any shade at like what you're doing at all, right? Like you have to have those larger scale, long haul. But they are slow to move on stuff for but sure. But they can't respond to anything. Mm-hmm. They, you can't, and, uh-huh. and a lot of them don't have the stomach to respond to anything. Mm-hmm. Honestly, so you have to have like the punk rock venues of you know the indie venues or the homespun venues or yeah. the whatever, because there's things that need to be getting like right. echoed back out. Uh, processed and echoed back out into Mm -hmm. the culture quickly Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that that's the entirety of what that's about but I I feel like that if if anybody in the art world is looking at like where where are you missing Uh that's I think where you're you're missing is you're not providing enough um, uh, you know uh, quick response iterative
0: yeah uh, easily approachable not like less formal yeah. things
1: and I just I definitely that, feel yeah. like
0: in this case it's like maybe not so much with the Bang Bang Gallery and Donaldson but the, to some degree but certainly with Jody's space and with David space it's its basically I really see that like individual artists or small gallery spaces um, are like you know uh, like even like something like Elephant Gallery or, or, um, or like Red Arrow even I feel like things of those sizes are able to uh, really respond quickly to things and really able to sort of uh, make their spaces open and welcome the way everybody says they want to, but I think I think artists and small venues are able to do that better. But I think these house venues or these alternative venues, um, according to what Joe was telling me, he's like, man, people came who don't go to galleries, but they are totally into checking out an art scene if it's somehow like it's just their neighbor's house down the street you know then they'll come and he's like and they'll buy stuff too they even like he's like there's a whole collector base there that nobody's tapping into because they don't feel comfortable engaging with the more whatever formalized art world or whatever it is so I think there's a whole interesting thing happening in those alternative spaces but I'm trying to write about it (laughs) I think we always need more I think that
2: you know it's rare that one will last mm. a long time. And you're 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 aware, right. you're aware of yeah. of the one I, I think is as far as I know the longest running mm-hmm. alternative space in the state, which is Fluorescent Gallery oh, yeah. in Knoxville, run by David yeah, yeah, Wolf, yeah. which was started in two thousand five. Mm-hmm. So fourteen years is really that's a long, remarkable. That's insane. For yeah. and even
1: if you exist for that long, it's inevitable it's amazing also that you don't just grow into being the yeah, the monolith that you were yeah. right, like yeah, right. just by it's kind of like you know when your favorite band just like right, you know, it's the, like the way Lollapalooza has always just, been free. I saw them, <laughs> I saw them in front of like there was like thirty people there. You know, and then like five years later, because what they did was good and they were able to test it out quickly and get feedback and move quickly through their
0: artistic process. Now they've arrived at something that stands more and then requires, you know, and then for something to be like indie and awesome and stay that way and and endure is like really hard. It is. (laughs) Yeah. I I think what you're responding
2: to though, with the experience of going to a house gallery, Mm -hmm. is kind of looking at the essence of what makes the contemporary art world um viable that has a heart which is mm. relationships and experience yeah. So relationships of people to people artists to people and also just the experience of seeing work and just sort of like normalizing that experience and yeah and moreover seeing like excellent work mm-hmm. and yeah you know just so like filling Filling your rolodex in your mind of like I've seen all of this now, mm-hmm. so I feel more confident yeah. to kind of put my opinion out there about my aesthetic or like mm-hmm. what I could possibly live with. Uh-huh. As well. Yeah, some sort of st-
1: relativism for standard bearing or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know. I can. Yeah, I totally get what you mean too. So, with with these like these wide sort of events, don't they generally have um, some sort of large um, municipal or uh, maybe that's not the right word, citywide or large-scale interactive something, like something like what Olafur Eliasson did in New York City or, you know, or like The Gates, right? Or, you know, some mm. right, some sort of large, iconic sort of piece that is really kind of like the connective, it's like the broad-based thing that, that garners some sort of attention just by nature of its scale. Like when Olafur Eliasson did like a waterfall coming off of the brooklyn bridge and like all those things when i was living up there and you know you just you just see those kind of things happen and they bring attention so i'm curious you know especially with the nature of your work um you know what is your what is what happens in in that way if anything relative to the triennial triennial yeah
2: i actually remember that piece because i was living in new york excuse me at that time oh yeah and right on um would like be riding in cars, looking at it <laughs> out the window. So there's a few things in town, right? So this was like maybe 2008
1: or something, yeah. seven or eight. Yeah, eight. Yeah. So but he had a few things
2: that were large in the city. I can't remember what they were now, but I just remember the Brooklyn Bridge one. I do too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, ultimately I mean, it's a good question. Ultimately, it's up to the curators and and that team, and yeah, and how they respond to the venues and these access points that come right. up in the city. Some of that is, you know, set by us and the triennial director working to establish who these partner venues are. And some of it is if they want to ask more for other ancillary projects to be out into the city, Mm -hmm. it'll relate a bit more to their research and their writing and their their kind of unified vision for the show. Mm -hmm. So That just seems like a really uh, critical
1: dimension, you know, for... To, to have it extend out in that way and it seems like your work you know lends
2: itself to something along those lines well i definitely can't speak to what the selections will be as they haven't been made but i can tell you that we're looking for our next year of annual programs to be more in the realm of public art mm-hmm. um so interesting because
1: the notion of participation is important right i mean yeah an interaction in a way that's not like just trying to create uh instagram opportunities but something that brings people to share a space in the same space together in ways that are a little bit more dimensionally unique than what otherwise would be
2: yeah and so for this programming year that's wrapping up in the summer we're working with partner venues and existing sort of relationships stoveworks team in chattanooga for a pop-up our board member james patterson who did Delta Axis in Memphis for many years and, mm-hmm. and at, at Crosstown kind of working with their staff and then mm-hmm. now back at Zeitgeist and uh, just sort of like pointing a, a neon arrow to excellent venues and, and teams of people doing shows. And so the next theme I think will just be like accessibility and public work and doing projects in Memphis, Nashville and Knoxville.
1: That's cool. Do you look at work you did five years ago and think, man, that really sucks? My,
2: my own work yeah i i think that all artists will will say that their work comes in waves you have like <laughs> yeah. high points and low points and i i definitely have favorites and and pieces i don't talk as so much about, <laughs> about in my own
1: work so that's what i want to talk about no but um i just find all in every doesn't matter what medium you're in it's always like the the newest thing you're working on is the best thing that you've done and then there's always some weird and then you know once you're in a place where you've got a, a retrospective of a lot of time and work it's so strange how like your own perception is always off like the things that people perceive as being of more i don't know they, just like in music right you're like this I mean, is like people's, this people's is the song this is the single that every, you know this is the most marketable lead-off song for this record or whatever and then you're usually wrong.
0: You know what I mean? Like in terms of how other people respond. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to a friend about this the other day, um, uh, without giving away too many details, but a, a painter, who assumed that people were going to be interested in a certain kind of works that he had done, and then they basically went totally the opposite and like these other things that are right. completely not what he thought they would be into. And then we were both just laughing because it's like such a fool's errand to try to guess what people may like or not like or or if they'll like it at all. Like you, all of a sudden somebody's interested, and you're just like, well, I, I never would have thought they would care about this." I think, <laughs> yeah. I think the
2: most interesting thing about that is at what point does an artist call a work resolved? Uh And so, you know, I've- I like the way, I like that. That's a good line. Yeah, I've taught work over the past 12 plus years and, (laughs) you know, teaching students, you know, you have to to think about like the whole timeline of a work being made. And I typically make the point that not only in critiques, but like when you show your work publicly, you need to watch people's reactions and and ideally be present Mm. there, you know, just like collecting a data set. Mm-hmm. You know, like you think it's going to get this reaction, you know what it took to get it to that point, mm-hmm. but if contemporary art, if you want to boil it down to, you know, a word is experience and it's, you know, conversation, you're offering up this kind of middle point as an mm-hmm. artist for people to come and receive or not receive. So I think artists should be very interested in how their work is received mm-hmm. and take that into account, even if it, there's no quick answers about what people did when they found the work mm-hmm. and then like thinking like, what other variables are there? Was it the right space for the work? If I got a surprising reaction, could there be a better space? You know, could it be details? Is there like a different lighting temperature that mm-hmm. would have made all the difference in that particular mm, gallery? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I talk about work, I am coming at it from a sculptor's perspective and, um, had a lot of interesting studio visits over the years with painters coming at it from like a spatial, you know, uh, foot traffic audience driven perspective about how people might encounter their, their paintings and at mm. what scale and and what's the sight line. And mm-hmm. Well,
1: because not all painters necessarily regard what they're making as an object in the purest form as they would in the, in the you know, abstract expressionists, you know, really thought of you know what they were doing as 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 an object in a more sculptural sense some people look at it as like well you know the the feather the edges of this are just to lead somebody into the this picture that is a Mm two-dimensional consideration entirely um so i can see how like yeah having a, a sculptural point of view and then working with or talking with painters about how to interpret how things are being t- interpreted mm-hmm. is sort of a like a fourth dimension in a way or at least a, a healthy reminder of of just another set of variables but it is
2: the fourth dimension is the yeah. dimension of time yeah mm-hmm. how is the work encountered yeah mm-hmm. and the encounter of the work is is pretty defining mm-hmm. to how people experience if you're a painter experience that image that yeah. you spent so much time 100 yeah. your whole career leading up to whatever the current series you're mm-hmm. making is mm-hmm. And so, like the distance from the door to painting A, B, and C, mm-hmm. their distance between each other. Yeah. What you can see from a distance, what you see up close. Mm-hmm. What's the lighting?
0: Yeah. Daylight versus. The lighting is everything. You know. Man. I mean, artificial. Like, it's weird because I mean I've I've done enough work in galleries and stuff that it, it blows my mind. That it still blows my mind. But if if you're if you're in a situation where you spend yeah, it can be as little as a week, but if you spend a week working on a show and you're taking prints out of a flat file and then framing them and then arranging them and then hanging them and then lighting them and then put on a nice jacket and go get a glass of wine and look at it with a crowd of people, it's unbelievable the difference between those just the the actual artwork as it is. And the presentation and the reception of the artwork. Totally, it's a completely different thing, and it's always better. It's never. never and it's not necessarily great. You know what I mean. You can't make great. You can't make art great because of the way you present it. But you. But you definitely. It, it definitely is like something that brings it to life. You know, in a oh, way. Oh no, the,
1: the same thing yeah. happens with music a lot, right? Like totally. You, like you. You. You're in your own headspace about some piece that you've done or whatever, so, you know, and then, you all of a sudden play it on a different system in a different space with a different like small audience of people mm. that are like you know pre-listening to something or whatever you know like yeah. you're sharing it with somebody or whatever immediately it's not even just about the space I mean it's, it's all those things and all the mm. electronics involved and everything else to be like okay how, how together is this or how is it starting like it's just amazing to me like especially as many records as I've mixed, how just getting it out of the context that you've been mixing it in and putting it in front of some audience that may or may not even really care about it, it almost doesn't even matter whether they're liking it or not, you can't help but perceive it through this shared mm-hmm. triangulated consciousness experience mm-hmm. and all these details jump out at you immediately you can kind of uh, connect to their attention, in some way or, or mm-hmm. what you can you can kind of sense like what they're regarding and what's going by them and mm-hmm. what's affecting them and what's not and it's just astounding to me like how a group or a shared experience illuminates a million details that you just can't
2: get any uh-huh. other way mm-hmm. yeah and i think you've got to be okay with surprises mm-hmm. but i think there's that balance where you anticipate the audience uh-huh. and then you have a loose hand about all the things you couldn't control yeah yeah, and yeah. like just use that in some way going forward in the next work right yeah yeah. i like this uh, you know we talk a lot about the like the
0: process of how you do things and i think we i think one of the things that that lessons that everyone has to learn is that um ultimately acting is better than than thinking about stuff like at some point you got to do something and i feel like you know this is like the second time when you've advocated for that and like the first time i think you you were talking about uh, Brian had asked you a question about you know uh, the way that you had you know organized this geographically the triennial and you said well it's an experiment you know what I mean and I think it's I think it's really always an important lesson whether you're talking about an artist doing a, a body of, a a piece of work of any sure. kind or you're talking about someone trying to organize a statewide <laughs> exhibition I think the important thing is like you've got to be able to you've got to be able to move forward and in order to move forward you've got to be You've got to let yourself be okay with the idea that you are. It's an experiment. Like we don't know what it's going to happen, but we're going to do it anyway. Yeah. 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 we think we want we we hedge, we wonder, we we try, we put a little mat on the floor, and then we go for it. And hopefully, yeah. you don't get hurt too bad. Maybe it'll be incredibly successful.
2: Right. Yeah. And, and so what we're doing right now, it's communication, but mm-hmm. we're talking about visual communication. Mm-hmm. But it implies that sort of action mm-hmm. and and just trying to use these materials and this language to, to mm-hmm. talk about things that words and speech can't always express. It's mm-hmm. something human that, that we need. Mm-hmm. So what you've mentioned uh,
1: examples of other similar events and mentioned you know that one was, I forget which one you, you were talking about, but said it was more, or had more of a music component. Is it, tell me what all is included in mediums or, things in and around the this whole event
2: around the tennessee trinium yeah i think it's open to any contemporary art medium uh which is expansive it's definitely Uh sound art it it very Uh well could be sound art it could Uh be film and video could be performance as well as painting sculpture in terms of media
0: right now i mean contemporary art is pretty about as wide open as you can imagine
2: it is yeah and i think one thing that i came up uh, being taught in school is that it's multidisciplinary Mm -hmm. and the more um, non-art viewpoints you can fuse in with the art viewpoints the richer the experience will be in the studio Mm -hmm. when you're making the work and i have to give a shout out to the ut sculpture department especially my time which was 99 to 04 Mm -hmm. it was really great i had two amazing professors jennifer odom and jason brown Mm -hmm. and so they were they were there and they brought uh, experience living elsewhere and they also brought an interest in architecture and design mm-hmm. and just um, just fusing those, you know, fluidly into the conversation uh, as well as art historical reference points and, mm-hmm. you know, technical expertise. So, it was all kind of blended. It felt like a multidisciplinary art and design foundation mm-hmm. and, you know, you're uh, previous guest Thomas came mm-hmm. through that program too and I think right. he has a very kind of wide scope of interest in his work yeah because that was offered up to us that you really you can do a lot of things if you look wider outside of just the more kind of straightforward confines so like liberating mm-hmm.
1: people towards you know yeah found objects in a way that is natural and not contrived it seems like that was very much uh, where Thomas was coming from mm-hmm
2: yeah. And I, I think spaces, just think like yeah. how, you know, studying urban design is just as applicable to what you might be doing as studying like welding or studying, you know, minimalism. Mm-hmm. And maybe you should study all of those things. Right.
0: Well, I like the idea of, of of like reaching like just even just not just all over the place within the art discipline, but reaching outside of it to... Like you're saying, like, you know, design or, you know, architecture or uh, or even further out and getting in, you know, right. you know uh, history beyond art history and things like that. And it reminds me of um, another friend of ours, uh, Greg Pond, who was at UGA. He didn't go to UT, but he also is one of those artists who I find his work is always really, really fascinating because it's always so fucking rich yeah. with all this stuff. That's that. I mean, there's there's a lot going on just with art for art's sake stuff in his work but it goes so far beyond that with ideas about environmentalism and geography and all this other stuff and i and i like he's a great example i think of an artist who you know really incorporates that stuff my friend andy harding i don't know if you're familiar with his sculptures but yeah andy's stuff is great too and andy has a whole background in chemistry i believe and so a lot of his work reflects all these things that that are you know they don't they're they're hard
2: science you know yeah. <laughs> but exactly. he folds him into his sculpting you know what i mean science it's really is debatable though I, yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> well, we had to work with greg uh-huh. back uh with our show we did in chattanooga uh-huh. back oh in cool october right so he was our local tennessee uh-huh. artist that we paired yeah. with an la artist allison o'daniel yeah he's show. always doing stuff
0: he just had a show at zeitgeist uh not i mean at the end of last year i guess it was yeah, last and, he, and he had he had a great show in the the one of the iterations of the seed space space the one like when you guys were in the cave there for a little bit
2: that was a beautiful show yeah exactly (laughs) yeah he he epitomizes this notion of a research-based practice where he's he's really just like following a train of investigation Mm -hmm. no matter where it leads Mm -hmm. and, and being like okay for it to surprise him or to have you know like a new uh sort of i don't know sector of mm-hmm. of research that he hasn't worked with before so uh-huh. we it's it's fun to hear what he's up to
1: mm-hmm. totally i have some superficial questions
0: Good
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so do you ever just look at something that's in a gallery and just go i hate this and this is terrible <laughs> and do you feel bad when you feel that way if you do
2: I definitely don't like everything, I, and yeah. I, I guess I don't think about it. You like, seem like I very, hate
1: it. You seem very diplomatic. So I'm just trying to pry out of well, you. I if don't, you don't, ever, I don't <laughs> ever hate a when dark people side. are
2: trying to make work. But you know, I think yeah. it's just sort of like the law of accumulation. Like the more you see, the more you know what you like, and the, mm. sure. the freer you feel to focus on certain works when you walk into a space and spend time with those, yeah. and, and not so much with others. And I think that's that's possible for everybody. I think that's happening widely in Nashville and in Tennessee, that people are just seeing more and more art and knowing more and more what they want to spend time with. Yeah,
1: do you have things that you maybe didn't appreciate as much as you could have or didn't like in some way or just had some issue with maybe a decade ago or something and then have come around to, to where like, kind of like, I don't know, like when you're 18, it's not the right time to figure out Tom Waits or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I went through a Tom Waits story. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, like
1: a, are there certain movements or, or mediums or regional approaches or any, just some sort of uh, anything that you're like, you know what, I really didn't get this at first, but now it's like, whatever, you know, my jam. Well,
2: I'm not a painter and I, I, I didn't really grow up painting outside of, you know, art classes. My wife, Carrie, is a painter and she's, you know, had a practice for many, many years and i give you know my feedback there but the more that we do our work the more painters i meet the more paintings i see and i feel like i have a a much deeper understanding of like how to how to encounter paintings and Mm -hmm. i guess just like i've said like a fuller rolodex of Mm cross-references to know like what what i want to get excited about Mm -hmm. yeah
1: for me even just to understand uh the the physics behind to to learn some of just like how optics work and you know seeing through layers that are being reflected back to you in a sequential sense or these layers of depth or you know like just i i whenever that was many years ago where i just realized like oh there's actually a lot more than just a surface that's either flat or textured like there's just all this kind of optical mojo that's going on that elicits a lot of uh how you respond or feel to something based on just what you're perceiving that you don't realize you're perceiving yeah yeah
2: I think it's experience
1: yeah yeah so alright so you mm. don't really hate anything that's cool <laughs> I'm trying to think of like I don't know I, I'm not afraid to like say I hate things but I hate that thing and I understand yeah. that that's like a short-sighted not very mature way of looking at mm. things but I think it's just nice to be a little bit petulant sometimes and a little uh, tangential with anger I think it's healthy. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: you know,
0: a good good bit of dismissal. It's uh, funny because I think that there's different there's different ways. I mean, like I think when it comes to like, you know, people sometimes ask me like, how come you never just like light a like like in terms of like writing a review for a show or something like that? How come you never just like don't like fucking light a show on fire? You know, people will ask that all the time, and I've told them I've said you know I've written pretty harsh reviews for it like for shows at more established places like the Frist Center like I, I wrote I wrote about a show a couple years ago that ended up asking why it ended up with this hey, it was this whole classist thing they were doing there that pissed me did off did you
1: come up with like a very articulate <laughs> line that you kind of yeah like I got through, a great like line like in it's the a shower like a great great ditch end end line. Line. <laughs> yeah yeah there's yeah. a
0: great end line <laughs> but um do you remember but what see, it here's is? the thing um, here's the thing it's two there's too many details but um <laughs> uh, but here's the thing so the, the but the thing is is this is this is a very established internationally known artist showing at the biggest art venue in our city mm-hmm. and my little art review wasn't going to be the beginning or the ending of anything for any of them you know what I mean but it was an important thing to say, and, and I know people who read it who told me that they sort of had convinced themselves they liked the show, then they read what I wrote, and then they were like, wait a minute, I got to think this out again. I got to go look at it again. And it right. made them think about it more, and we had to talk about it. So very successful, right? That's that's all we're really looking for in the end. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, I, I agree with, as a writer, I would agree with what you're saying, that it's like, for me, it's like, I want to write about the work that, like, to me, I walk into that gallery and I'm just like, Ooh, like I'm like ESP, like just coming off my body, waiting for something to just go, just grab me and like suck me in, and yeah. then that's where I'll start looking at this show. Because and to me, that's like that's like maybe that's my favorite thing in the show, but definitely I'm I'm in I'm into whatever just did that to availing me, availing yourself you know to I mean? an experience. Yeah, yeah, and whatever whatever sort of commands my attention is the thing that's gonna that's gonna get it first. You know what I mean? um so i i kind of i want to like have an experience you know i want to it's it's beyond just like looking at something that i enjoy seeing you know what i mean sure and um uh but you know not everything's going to do that and um i feel like ultimately you know you you want to write about the stuff that you're excited to talk about and the stuff that that ultimately doesn't inspire me to be interested in talking about it anymore. It's like it's better just to ignore it. And frankly, like we talked about before, there's such a there's such a lack of places where I can even necessarily get a, you know, a review in front of people's eyes, you know, um that it's like Make it, make
1: it valuable. Yeah, make it, you only, uh, yeah,
0: you only have so many words that I'll even be able to do within a certain amount of time because a lot of publications, it's got to be timely. So you got to write this review soon, and it's got to come out within two weeks or no one's going to be wanting you to, to write it because the show's going to be coming down. La, la, there's all these things that go into it that people don't realize. But, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, if I can say something about anything, it's probably going to end up being something positive because just because of all the fucking hurdles that I'll have to get it through. I don't want to do all of that to then just try, because I'm so... I like like the word you used earlier, you said amplify. You used the word amplify. Yeah, yeah. 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 you want to spotlight the things that you want people to be excited about, and, and I feel like you're... I mean, you know that it's it's not necessarily spotlighting what people are excited about. It's spotlighting what you think they should be excited about because you've got some insights because you're covering this scene and you know you have a certain amount of that's to me that's the with whatever power I have to put that spotlight on something that's what I'm trying to do and I want to see like. This stuff. I want to see more of this stuff. So this is why I'm talking about this. <laughs>
2: yeah. I think all the arts writers working now yeah. are writing to an audience who wants to know what stopped you in your tracks, yeah, and why exactly, you know, and what else you might have to say about that. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily have to be like 100% glowing, but yeah, tell us why you stopped. Right. You know, exactly. As a, as a reader myself, mm-hmm. that's what I'm most interested in. Or if
1: it's something you experienced and you're reading the writing later, then. It's it's a reinforcement of the experience that you had in some way, not necessarily to have be of a shared opinion, but just to be like, oh, I'm, I can see that I was yeah. <clears throat> compelled by this thing, whether whether I had the context right or whether I fully understood the breadth of it or not. Yeah, it impacted me in some way, and so it, I like to read parallel thinking about yeah the path because I, you know we're all in agreement that this thing hit me in the head some way, whether I liked it or not. Right.
0: Yeah. I read. I read five or six articles that kept bringing up how great Tom Waits was before I ever listened to Tom Waits. <laughs> and, at, and it was exactly this thing where I was like, these are writers I appreciated yeah. saying things I wanted to read about and that's yeah. why I'm reading it. And then they're bringing up this Tom Waits guy. And so I finally brought, I bought this vinyl anthology of Tom Waits, right? It's an anthology from his early uh, years which were more piano-based, jazzy sort of songwriting. And I put it on and it was the first time I'd ever heard him sing, and I went through the album, I turned it over, listened to the other side of the album, took the album off, put it in the sleeve, put it back on the shelf and was mad at myself that I had just spent like 15 bucks I spent <laughs> on this anthology. And I was like, I thought it was a joke when I first heard his voice. So I'm like, how can this be real? I was like, is this guy really going to sing like this through this whole album? And then... Wait, like, are you oh, the only other person that I know that is okay with saying I'm not a big time Waits fan? No, 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 no. You came to later. Okay, I'm stepping I'm crossing a line and already. And then, and then, like almost exactly a year later, this, is, this record was back home at my mom and dad's house, and I was still in college, right? I was like a freshman in college. Then uh, I pulled it back out again. I put it back on the turntable. The fucking first song came on, and immediately I was just like, this is some of the greatest songwriting <laughs> yeah. and one of the greatest performers we've yeah. ever had. Yeah. And I love Tom Waits. But, yeah. but it took me a whole year of like not being sure if it was like a weird joke before I realized, no, it's incredible. Because it's you know what changed? Joe changed. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! <laughs> that's what. That's that's when. That's the what the real art does to you. Okay. The real and, art changes you. And you have to. Have a lot of, you have to have a lot of whiskey too. It helps. It helps.
1: Do you want to sing like that?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you can't take care of yourself and sing like that. It's there's, true. There's no. There's no vegan yoga people that sound like Tom Waits.
0: I. No, I don't know of any.
1: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, sorry, Brian, uh, we, we're just uh, being tangential here, but uh, uh, thank you very much for taking the time to tell us all about all of this, which is going to be, I mean, we have to, there's a lot to follow here, so maybe you can help us with some quick, uh, you know, us and the listeners, how do we keep up with all of these pieces, and where do we go, and, you know, people that might want to be a part of it or experience, as these things develop, maybe you can kind of give us the the latter part of our house cleaning, which is how can we find out more?
2: If you want to see what's on view in Tennessee, go to Mm locatearts.org and all the exhibitions that you need to know about are right there. Mm -hmm. There's a curated artist registry there to find artists practicing in the state. There's a blog with information like interviews and studio visits with artists. So ground zero for contemporary art in Tennessee. fun little facts about the website if you click on a venue you see an archive of every show we've ever mm-hmm. listed from them mm-hmm. to get a context of what their programming is like mm-hmm. uh, we do annual programs and our next show is opening saturday in partnership with zeitgeist gallery opening so it opened on may 4th by
0: the time people hear this it'll be open for about a week and it'll run through the end of june end is that of right june. yeah that's
1: right sweet, sweet. so locatearts.org. And where do they find out? Uh, like, if, if they're just hell bent on uh, seeing your work, where do they go?
0: BrianJob.com. BrianJob.com. Job, J O B E. That's right. B R
2: I A N J O B E. And really quick,
0: too, let's just let's give people the, the, the rundown on the fact that you are doing this membership and that will hook, hook them up with the party. Run through that one more time.
2: We're having a, a big announcement party for members mm-hmm. on Saturday, May 18th. 2019 regarding the uh, triennial to announce the Tennessee triennial curators and director mm-hmm. and there may be other fun announcements there so all someone wouldn't want to do is go to our support page and sign up for a $5 monthly membership and locate arts at
0: locatearts.org
2: mm-hmm. and, and you're be a part of it Join yeah, us. become
0: a member five bucks a month it's a it's easy and, and you're going to be a part of history it's here uh, the triennial is coming don't be late
1: Yes. <laughs> for a second, you started to sound like sort of a like a evangelical, uh, you know, like out in the sticks somewhere with the the snake. Pentecostal. Uh, yeah, Pentecostal, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just so like, like, just, I was talking real fast, just been drinking. Some it's time. This is <laughs> this is coming. It's coming. It's be coming for you. <laughs> you better be ready. Uh, but anyway, hey, no, so thanks <laughs> a lot. Uh,
0: We're feeling the spirit, Brian. Yeah, yeah. Thank <laughs> you for bringing. <laughs> the My apologies spirit.
1: to all the. Uh, <laughs> uh, pentecostal yeah yeah sorry uh, yeah. i love you respect everything man it's yeah. cool just stay away from snakes snakes are dangerous they can be just a little bit of advice from the podcast anyway hey <laughs> thanks a lot man <laughs> Happy uh, to. and you guys uh go to anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast and click on support this podcast and you can give us 99 cents a month which you'll never notice um and it helps us out greatly um and maybe maybe i'll become a tom waits fan Yeah, you should. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. Really appreciate it. Brian, really appreciate it, man. Thanks. Happy to be
2: here.
0: okay guys i love the art fight podcast and i listen to every episode even though i am a robot trying to sound like an actual person i know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going how can
2: i help
1: go to anchor.fm forward slash podcast click on the button the big old button that says support this podcast and once you get there you'll have three options you can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and, and help us out. Again, anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast. Click on support this podcast. All right. Thanks, everyone.